0: We should always be you know, booming over my shoulders, a guy that deep bipartisanship. Tony spoke about that. It's been a, it's been a weird week, um, but we still have many other weird weeks ahead of time.
1: Stay tuned. That's just part of what's ahead in our bonus content following this week's edition of In Focus.
0: Exploring the issues that matter most in Indiana. This is In Focus with Dan Spieler.
1: Good morning, Indiana will remain in stage 4.5 of the governor's reopening plan with the state's coronavirus case numbers still moving the wrong direction in recent days. It has public health officials expressing concern about the virus and big events like the Indy 500 later this month. Our Aaron Cantrell has more, Aaron.
2: IMS has laid out safety plans and protocols to keep race fans safe, but IU Health is asking them to consider
3: an alternative there's a lot riding on holding this event um, beyond just the social side of it. There's the economic side of it, the, the political side of it. There's a lot of factors in play.
2: Butler University's assistant professor of biological sciences Christopher Stobart says he can't tell the public whether Marion County should host the Indy 500, but he says we should look at what happened in Florida after beaches reopened as an example.
3: And now Florida has turned into one of the leading hotspots in this country, um, and a lot of that is due in part to um, social gatherings and how we've changed our, our interactions.
2: Indiana's largest health care provider, IU Health, has gone on record, asking IMS to reconsider allowing fans to attend the Indy 500 in August. So everyone can see that things aren't heading in the great for direction for us. Since the beginning of July, the Indiana State Department of Health has seen a slow rise in the number of positive COVID-19 cases. The only positive about this news, infectious disease specialist Dr. Cole Beeler says, is the number of deaths remain low we might be getting better uh, at treating this. Uh, We are learning a lot more. Every single day there's more literature that comes out on this. Members of the White House Coronavirus Task Force say Indiana is on the verge of another outbreak if we don't get a handle on the situation. And we've already seen precedents in the other states that have been hit particularly hard uh, for the second part of this first wave. Dr. Beeler says the consequences of an outbreak would lead to the mortality rate rising and more activities being restricted.
4: The local movers and shakers, because they are going to be affected. More than anybody. Um, so that's who I'm concerned about. If
2: the state starts to roll back in their stage plan, these vendors at their original farmers market would be greatly impacted, just like the thousands of other local business owners. You gotta be mindful of your neighbors.
3: Well, I'm glad they're warning us, and I hope that people take that to heart and then they, um, they start doing, taking the precautions.
2: Doctor Beeler urges the public to listen to state officials and take the virus serious so we can protect our most vulnerable Hoosiers and enjoy events like this. We are concerned in the medical community that things are getting worse and, but we are ready to hit that. We have a lot of hospital capacity. Um, We have systems in place now that we didn't have at the beginning of the epidemic. All right. Meantime, Governor Eric Holcomb this week
1: said he would keep Indiana at stage four point five. This past week, his statewide mask mandate took effect, but without any criminal penalties. Here's what the governor said at his weekly briefing on Wednesday about the state's fight against the virus.
5: We were doing a number of things right, including testing, and you talked about tracing. All these are important. They're all part of the um, successful recipe to, to to bend down that curve, um, but. Our our actions will also have an effect on that. So physical distancing, masking up, good hygiene. Um, We think we can get there with good enforcement on the ground with the guidelines that are there right now. We'll see where we are tomorrow and next week and next month.
1: Okay, right now we're joined by Democratic candidate for governor, Dr. Woody Myers, who's also a former state health commissioner. Dr. Myers, your reaction to the governor's plan to stay within the guidelines in place right now as he described it?
6: The, the word is called leadership, and we're just not getting it uh, from Governor Holcomb on this issue. He wants to uh, wait for another two or three weeks before he decides what to do uh, and see how things are. Well, I can tell you how things are now. We this is extremely serious and bordering on critical. We've had more new cases in the last two weeks than we've had since the beginning of the pandemic uh, in Indiana, and when we start recording uh, numbers. Uh, back in February, March. So uh, I just don't understand uh, why he's not taking more aggressive steps. I don't understand uh, why he's not pushing hard uh, to use his powers uh, in a public health emergency what to mandate penalties.
1: Do, what would you do differently if, if elected?
6: I would use the powers of uh, the public health laws in the state of Indiana to mandate uh, that we wear, wear masks uh, with penalties. And if uh uh, the Attorney General uh, Curtis Hill uh, wanted to uh, take us to court uh, to, to defend or, or, or change that, and uh, that's what we would, get, we would do because it's very important uh, that people understand that this is very serious. The Indiana uh, death rate is now, our number is about 3,000, almost 3,000. Our positivity rate has uh, gone up to almost 10%. Uh, we are right at the stage uh, that will lead us to becoming a Florida, a Texas, a California, or an Arizona. And we need to act more aggressively. We need to do it now.
1: We've got the start of school happening uh, this week, this month, IPS going virtual. You had some cases pop up already in some local districts that have already gone back. If you were governor today, would you allow schools to open in person?
6: except for the most very, the, the very rural districts uh, in counties where we've had very few, if, if uh, any serious uh, numbers, uh, the answer is we would pause, we would wait, we would see uh, how uh, the, the numbers respond over a period of time, probably uh, through somewhere close to uh, Thanksgiving. Uh, I think that's wise that so many school districts are protecting their teachers, their custodians, their cafeteria workers and their children uh, by slowing it down, uh, we can do uh, virtual for a while longer while we are in the surge. Uh, and if we were coming down, if our numbers were getting lower, uh, if things were getting better, I would recommend something else. I would recommend a hybrid system. But unfortunately, right now, Dan, uh, the numbers are going in the absolute wrong direction.
1: What about the Indy 500? If you were governor right now, would you allow the race to run with fans in the stands? Obviously a lot involved in that question.
6: There is, there is a lot, Indy 500 means so doggone much uh, to the great state of Indiana. And I haven't missed one for, I don't know, 35 years. Uh, I've paused on my tickets uh, and I'm gonna defer to next year okay. because uh, for anybody, certainly over the age of 60, it's, uh, it's a dangerous risk. Uh, I wish they would do it uh, without uh, folks in the stands. I wish they would run the race like they've run others uh, uh, w- without the fans. Uh, that would be the safest thing to do. Uh, I know there's a strong desire uh, to put some fo- some uh, people in the, in the seats, even at 25%. 25% of a, of a big number is still a big yeah. number. Uh, so I would err on the side of safety. Let's
1: talk more about this race for governor here briefly, too. Pete Buttigieg's PAC announced they'll be helping your campaign. But overall, yes. you have struggled when it comes to fundraising. Your campaign reported just $70,000 cash on hand, with the governor holding uh, millions more. How do you begin to make this race competitive with that kind of deficit?
6: well we we do everything we can online Uh, we talk to people in every venue that we can uh, utilizing the tools that uh, that are available in social media Uh, and we continue to raise funds Uh, we're trying to uh, compete successfully during a global pandemic and that's a difficult challenge, sure. but it's one that we've accepted and one that I, I strongly believe uh, we will win because the state of Indiana is looking for a change. Uh, the state of Indiana wants uh, to move in a different direction. I can feel it. We were in uh, Lake County, we were in Fort Wayne this past week. Uh, they, the support there is, is strong. I just know uh, that even with the funding issue on the table, uh, our campaign will still move forward.
1: Briefly here in a sentence or two, cause we're just about out of time. Uh, your reflections on the passing of uh, former governor Kern in this past week.
6: Very sad, uh, Joe's a great guy. And, uh, and uh, I just, uh, I, I feel very badly for his, his family. Yet another legend uh, has, has moved on. Um, I, I, it's, it's been a, a very sad couple of weeks. Uh, we've lost a, a number of folks that have just done great work uh, for public, for the public and uh, their public service, and uh, and his passing uh, uh, was uh, indeed a sad event for all of us. We've got to
1: leave it there, Dr. Myers. Thank you so much for joining us. Uh, we appreciate it. Thanks again. Uh, this care. week, we also heard from Governor Holcomb and Mayor Joe Hogsett on Governor Joe Kernan's legacy.
5: He had a loving toughness, a grit about him that. I will never be able to relate to and thankfully most of us won't have to, because he did. When General Douglas MacArthur talked about duty, honor and country, the general was talking exactly about Joe Kernan, our Joe Kernan. He was a a person who brought people together and did not seek to divide them one against another. He was a hero in so many different ways, we will all miss him.
1: We'll talk about that with our panel coming up next. Also ahead, a one-on-one interview with President Donald Trump. Plus, we'll talk with our panel about the veep stakes and the race for president next. President Trump making news this week, tweeting about whether the election should be delayed because of the coronavirus. This week, our Washington correspondent Joe Khalil asked the president about that tweet and other topics in a one-on-one interview. For parents and
4: teachers preparing for the upcoming school year, President Trump had this message in our exclusive one-on-one interview. What would you say to reassure teachers who are, frankly, nervous for in-person learning getting back in time?
7: Well, I want them to be careful. I want it to be safe. I want everything to be safe. They're going to be working together with a lot of very great professionals. And I want them to be shielded in some way or safeguarded in in a very strong
4: way. We spoke with President Trump at the Red Cross, where he was promoting plasma donations for COVID patients. He says he's hopeful we'll have an effective COVID vaccine by the end of the year. But we wanted to know if the administration is ready for what comes next. Do we have the infrastructure right now to be able to manufacture it, deliver it, share it with enough people where it actually makes an impact?
7: It's such a great question. We're actually spending money up front to get that infrastructure, and our military is ready to distribute it. We'll be delivering it very rapidly.
4: But before the president's vaccine deadline, there is an election. And Thursday morning on Twitter, the president floated the idea of delaying it something that's never happened before. The president says he's worried about voter fraud because of widespread voting by mail due to the
7: coronavirus. There's nothing like being able to go out and vote. Going out and vote where you have people and you have identification and you have whatever it is that the place requires. But this concept of mailing out hundreds of millions of ballots, just sending them all over the country. Moving the date, is is there a plan for that or is it? Well, I hope a thing like that wouldn't be necessary because I want the date more than anyone.
4: President Trump hasn't ruled out challenging the results of the election in court. He says with more mail-in voting, the election results could take longer to tally. I want to hear the result,
7: okay? I think we're going to do very well. And then you have court challenges and everything else. You could go many, many months and beyond that, frankly, before you find out who won the election.
4: President Trump says he does support expanding absentee voting, which is how he casts his own ballot in Florida. In Washington, I'm Joe Khalil. All
1: right, so a lot of reaction this week, including a number of Republicans pushing back on the president's suggestion. Congresswoman Susan Brooks said only Congress has the authority to change the date of the election. She says we will not be changing or delaying the 2020 election. Let's talk with our panel right now. Tony Samuel, vice chair for the 2016 Indiana Trump campaign. Tony, a lot of pushback to this. How do you square the president saying it's safe to open schools, but maybe not safe to hold an election in November?
8: Well, he wasn't saying that it's not safe to hold the election. He's concerned about uh, any kind of fraud that might uh, happen from mail-in uh, mail-in uh, voting, uh, universal mail-in voting, not absentee. He made the distinction Quite clearly that it's a good absentee voting is a good thing when you uh, can't get out uh, folks that are are sick and shut in or are seniors. Uh, There's a reason for absentee voting, but universal um, uh, mail-in voting is uh, open to fraud. And we we saw problems here. I won't say fraud here, but we saw several thousand mail-in ballots that came in too late in Marion County. Remember, and I said this on the show. When I requested my mail-in ballot in the primary and my wife did the same, we both sent in our request, I didn't get mine. She got his. So I stood in line for two and a half hours and I voted. Now, the problem was we didn't have enough polling places open and we didn't have enough uh, poll workers. So we need to work between now and the election to make sure we have enough there, uh, poll, poll workers and, and polling places open and, and we can socially distance. When I stood in line for two and a half hours, there was at least six feet in between every uh, every uh, person that was in that line. And that's when we had a stay-at-home order. Right. We don't have that now. Certainly. Things are opening up. You can go to the grocery store. You can go to the post office. You can go and, and stand in line and vote as long as it's done safely.
1: Certainly there were issues uh, with the process here in Marion County. Let's turn to Jennifer Wagner, the former communications director for the Indiana Democrats. Jennifer, what's, what's your response to all of this uh, this week from the president?
3: Well, I, I think, you know, I will take him at face value. I'm not going to, you know, um, assume that maybe he's, you know, not wanting to have the election because he's not doing so great in the polls right now. But look, we have three months to prepare if we wanted to do more mail-in voting. Absentee voting, by the way, is also mail-in voting, the same thing. Um, We have the ability to prepare for this. We have the ability to make sure that we get it right. Um, There were problems, obviously, uh, with the May slash then June election. But, you know, I don't think that anyone rational, would consider postponing the election. And I think you saw a lot of pragmatic response from both sides. And, and this is just more of Donald Trump kind of tilting at windmills right now.
1: Also joining us today, Alexandra Hudson, a contributor with Young Voices. Alexandra, your thoughts overall here on the president's tone as, as cases continue to mount. We also had the news about Herman Cain's death, members of Congress testing positive as they debate more measures. Where are we here in this fight?
9: Yes, it's, uh, uh, it's that the president, uh, that the tone he's taking is, is the tone that we see um, of dictators in other parts of the world, Putin and Russia, Erdogan in Turkey, uh, postponing elections and, and changing election law to, to benefit themselves and keep themselves in power. So it's, a, uh, it's concerning to even, even uh, float such an idea, and it's, it's, um, you know, to propose undermining the rule of law like that is problematic. Um, So I agree with my fellow panelists. Uh,
1: Let's turn to Robin Winston here, the former state party chairman for the Indiana Democrats. Robin, how do you see the situation?
0: Well, he was upset that we had the largest dip in the gross national product in American history. So you changed the topic on that day. He moved with something that's absurd. He knows it's not going anywhere, but we didn't focus on the economy that was supposed to be his strength. The second thing is he boasts by absentee himself. Remember, Florida is a very lenient and liberal state on absentee. Tony is right that absentee could be used here, but we have such restrictions that that it's very hard to meet. When we removed the restrictions, we had 600,000 people in the primary cast a non-excuse, no-excuse ballot early. That was a record number, way more than ever before. And as far as waiting in line, it's because we only had 22 voting locations in Marion County, because we couldn't get enough people to staff them we're in the middle of a pandemic
1: so staying with the race for president here uh, former vp joe biden choosing a running mate that announcement could be on the way this next week or the week after a lot of speculation surrounding susan rice and senator kamala harris here in the final days before biden makes his pick but if he wins could his white house also include a hoosier who made an appearance this past week in a video
8: for the biden campaign in june Joe Biden, advised by experts, offered a detailed plan on how to open our businesses safely to protect workers and consumers.
1: Indy native Ron Klain served as the Ebola czar for the Obama administration. He also served as a chief of staff for the former VP. Uh, Jennifer, what role might you see someone like Ron Klain playing here if Biden does get elected president? Would he indeed be on the front lines of this fight against the coronavirus?
3: I think he absolutely could be. I mean, he he's done a great job in the past. Um, I think it'd be you know great to see him back in action. Um, with respect to the VP stakes, I mean, at this point, obviously there's a lot of great names being tossed around, but um, I don't think that any one of them is in any way, shape, or form going to hurt Joe Biden. Um, so I think you know we're going to be in for a, a really cool announcement, whoever it is.
1: But Tony, uh, what about this uh, VP pick? Uh, how big a moment will that be in terms of? Uh, this race ramping up uh, ahead of the
8: fall? Well, I think the the factor to look at the most here is uh, uh, enthusiasm by both the Trump voter and the Biden voter. Uh, President Trump uh, is much higher in enthusiasm with his voters at 43% than Joe Biden is with only 31%. So that's a big concern for Democrats. And and frankly, none of the uh, potential candidates that are named uh, Kamala Harris and, and others Will do anything for the enthusiasm factor. They all have negatives. Uh, there's nothing that will really energize besides that progressive base. Energize any 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 more in the Democratic Party, unless a Michelle Obama uh, could still get in. Uh, if if that happens, uh, then that energizes more uh, Democrats. But that also tells you, and we know this already, that you're in for just another more. Uh, if Biden were to somehow win, uh, more uh, of what you saw in the Obama Biden years, which is uh, uh, lackluster economy, lackluster recovery, uh, depletion of the military, uh, just uh, uh, going in the wrong direction overall. And I mean, while her
1: name has her name has been mentioned, uh, there's no indication she's interested in, in a role like that at this point. Uh, Alexandra, how how will a VP pick uh, shake up this race?
9: So Kamala Harris has been floated, uh, kind of the whole uh, along along the along the way so far and it's worth remembering uh, a really pivotal moment in the debates when she absolutely excoriated Biden and exposed his 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 rec- record with um, racial racial uh, inequity and, and, and busing in school districts and uh, I think that's worth worth keeping in mind how, how she so undermined him then um, but otherwise I, I agree with my fan, fellow panelists.
1: So as it turns out the first debate between President Trump and former Vice President Biden won't take place here in Indiana University of Notre Dame withdrawing as host of that first debate because of the coronavirus the debate will be held in Cleveland instead of South Bend. Also this week, former South Bend mayor, former Indiana Governor Joe Kernan is being remembered. He'd been battling Alzheimer's and passed away Wednesday at the age of 74. Someone I know many of you uh, worked with during his time as governor, Robin, y- y- your thoughts this week on Governor Kernan's passing.
0: Well, over my shoulder is a campaign poster that would be used in 1996 when uh, Joe Kernan and Frank O'Bannon for Lieutenant Governor became Lieutenant Governor. Uh, we lost a true American hero. I mean, at a time when many were turning their back on our nation and not calling um, themselves to service, Joe Kernan went into the Navy, was a Naval flight officer, was shot down in Vietnam, was held hostage for or a prisoner for uh, 11 months, came back, made a major impact on South Bend, was a tremendous partner for Frank Bannon. Um, I was uh, around in a lot of those meetings when uh, the governor and then lieutenant governor Kernan was there, and then when unfortunately in 2003, uh, we lost the governor, uh, then Lieutenant Governor Kernan stepped up to the, the governor and kept everything moving ahead in Indiana. The, the class of this guy to have been roundly criticized during the 2004 campaign by his uh, opponent, who was the then, and became Governor Mitch Daniels, and then to turn around and resume his call to duty of public service, and served with the then uh, Supreme Court Chief Justice Shepard on a reform commission to look at how we can make our work better is a continued testimony to Joe Kernan's commitment okay. to the people of Indiana gotta, and to our nation.
1: We got to leave it there. We'll have more on our podcast. All right. Thanks for joining us this week. Much more ahead on Fox News Sunday and Face the Nation. We'll see you again next Sunday in Focus. Okay, uh, more here on the podcast as we talk about uh, former Governor Kernan's passing. Uh, Jennifer, your thoughts this week on on his life and legacy.
3: I mean, everything Robin said on the show is, I mean, on point. I mean, you just couldn't have met a a classier American hero. But he was so funny and and so (laughs) snarky. I mean, before that was even really a word. And I think you know, I, I don't have great Joe Kernan stories the way that Robin does. But I remember, you know, I was 20 years old when I went to the statehouse as, as an intern for the Indianapolis Star. And, you know, he didn't need to pay any attention to me, didn't need to remember my name. But every single time he would always stop, say, hey, Jennifer, how you doing? And he would listen to the response. And I just, yeah, I echo everything Robin said. We lost a we lost a great American and a great Hoosier this week.
1: Does it harken back, uh, Tony, perhaps to a different time in politics where, where uh, more often than now, perhaps people on both sides uh, tended to get along, act collegially for the most part?
8: Yeah, that's a great way to, to ask and uh, to put it, Dan. He was uh, everything. Uh, again, I, I would agree with everything that's been said previously. Uh, he was a great guy. Um, you know, when you saw him in the statehouse, he was very approachable. Uh, always smiling, always had a kind thing to say, and, and easy to work with. Um, so yeah, I just I just agree with every everything, and and um, and he'll be missed. Uh,
1: we also saw uh, this week the the, the death of uh, of Herman Cain making news. Uh, Alexandra, uh, that certainly um, puts the coronavirus in perspective for a lot of people as well.
9: It's true. It, it it's a sad loss. It's sad to, to hear of anyone who who uh, passes away from the COVID nineteen. Uh, crisis, and and it seems like every every week, this this um, people who are affected by it directly, it gets closer and closer to home. So it's uh, a very sad time for our nation.
1: Um, Robin, um, y- your thoughts uh, on the week that was overall here in the news, and and what we may see here in the coming weeks? We talked about the VP selection. What else? What else are you keeping your eye on here in this very pivotal year, uh, where so many things are happening at such a at such a quick rate?
0: Um, Probably the the one that resonates with me the most this week was um, the funeral of John Lewis, Um, the whole class that it was handled with, the way that uh, people remembered him, the way that members of Congress, including Mitch McConnell and other people, spoke uh, at his funeral service there in Rotunda. And then down to see former President Bush, along with former President Clinton and President Obama all at his funeral, um, I don't understand. I won't, I'm a student of politics. There are young kids out here who look to the president for leadership. How you as a president could not attend a service in the rotunda in the city where you're right down the street or you couldn't get on Air Force One, Air Force Two, a Piper cub or whatever and make your way to Atlanta for the service. That just reeks of the kind of tone that we have. Um, we should always be looking over my shoulders, a guy that bipartisanship. Tony spoke about that. It's been a, it's been a weird week, um, but we still have many other weird weeks ahead of us. We have, yeah. But we look at another hero in John.
1: A lot of touching moments at that service. A lot of reflections this week, uh, no doubt, about a lot of different people in politics, as we discussed there. Jennifer, Tony, Robin, Alexander, thanks so much. We'll see you next week. Thanks again.